up in the sky! Look! It's a bird! It's a plane! It's Matt Spectro through the multiverse! Welcome to another exciting episode of Matt Spectro Through the Multiverse. I am your host, Matt Spectro, lifetime comic fan, lifetime superhero fan, lifetime fan of animation. And this is the podcast. It's exclusive about animation from the world of comic books. And if you just uh, weren't paying attention, it's our Halloween episode. That's right, folks. Ghost, goblins, spooks, spiders, the whole Megillah. We're talking Halloween. Before we go anywhere, before we get into our topic, I'm going to explain the rules. Number one, we talk about comic book-based animation. Pay attention, I just said that. Number two, just like Marvel Team-Up, DC Comics Presents, Marvel 2-in-1, it's a team-up podcast. Every week, it's me and a special guest talking animation. Third and most important, we got to have fun. All right, without further ado... Believe it or not, I found yet another member of my family to be on this podcast. I'm going to introduce the first time. Welcome to the multiverse, my nephew, Jamie. Hello. Hey, how's it going? <laughs> oh, pretty good. Pretty good. Happy to be here. Welcome to the Halloween episode. Thanks. It's uh, the spooky season, my favorite, actually, holiday season. So I'm pretty happy to be on uh, the special episode. And also, welcome to episode 27. Now, uh, first I gotta ask, uh, Halloween comes with, uh, horror films. You fan of horror films at all? Yeah. Oh yeah. Huge fan. Have a favorite franchise? Uh, Friday the 13th, actually, of all of them. I, uh, actually have a special Blu-ray set. I watch them pretty much every year, all 13. Actually, I think we're at 12 now. Yeah, technically there's been 12. Uh, <laughs> I think I'm, I lean towards the Halloween series, but, uh, I have a soft spot for Friday the 13th as well. Well, the trouble with Halloween there is you have to try always, every time there's like a sequel, you get a new timeline and everything. So it's always <laughs> a little more complex, I felt. I was just thinking about that the other day where there's like, I counted, I think there's four different Halloween timelines at this point. Is that the one including Season of the Witch there? Well, if you include Season of the Witch, <laughs> I think that there'd be five. It's definitely canon. There's one, two, four, five, and six that are one timeline. Then Halloween three would be its own timeline. Then Halloween 7, they start a new timeline that goes into 8. Then Rob Zombie's Halloween comes around and does a new timeline of two movies. And then they just started, well, technically, I guess the timeline they're on now is a continuation. Well, nope, that's a timeline of part 1 and part 10 and 11 or whatever the last two were. Yeah, it's basically the only thing that anything keeps canon is 1. And that's, that's it. So uh, your sister was on a previous episode. As well as your father, so this is a, it's a it's a family legacy. Yeah, all of us are just huge, huge nerds, just huge nerds. Now, I always ask this, uh, do you think you would have gravitated towards this, uh, I guess, nerd culture and whatnot 
if you had grown up in a different family? Probably, I like, I, well, I mean, at this point, I feel like superheroes and stuff are just like so mainstream, like everyone's into them. But like, I feel like probably not as like hardcore as I am. It's like, I know, like, m- my mom you always used to like to joke. I was the only like first grader who knew like every member of the Justice League at that time. Or I'm just like, they were just everywhere. I was reading comics like as far back as I can remember. So it's always been there. And do you have a favorite superhero? Uh, yeah. Um, if I'm going favorite, just superhero, it's Superman for sure. Uh, and if I'm doing favorite team, I always say the Thunderbolts from Marvel there. Really? Oh, yeah. I There's... own almost every issue of Thunderbolts. It's my one claim to fame as a comic book collector. Do they have a current series going? Uh, no, not really. <laughs> so speaking of team-ups, not only are we doing a Halloween episode, we are doing a team-up Halloween episode. We are going back to 1972 for Scooby-Doo meets Batman and Robin. The dynamic Scooby-Doo affair, <laughs> as it's the full episode title. <laughs> so, uh, it's pretty exciting. We're going to go into a little history. We're not going to get into the whole history of Scooby-Doo, but a little bit. We're going to go back to the late 60s, where uh, parent groups were taking a lot of issue with a lot of the cartoons that were on. Uh, they were saying they were too violent, which I think is a bit ridiculous. With the exception of Johnny Quest, I don't think a lot of cartoons from that era were really that violent. And then you get to Scooby-Doo, and it's like there's traps everywhere and catapults and people like they're in like danger like every episode and it's always uh someone who is they're going to these elaborate lengths to protect a treasure you think they would just shoot people that are trying to steal their treasure but instead they come up with a ghost and a whole backstory to do so i gotta take advantage of those local legends i guess (laughs) so as a result one uh fred silverman he decided he was going to try and uh, work on something that still appealed to the young audience but was toning down the violence, which eventually led to the uh, the Archie cartoon for Filmation, uh, which actually I'd done a review a couple of episodes ago, and I actually never realized how similar that Archie cartoon was to the old Scooby-Doo cartoon and 70s cartoons in general. Once that succeeded, he still wanted to do another cartoon of a, uh, a, a rock band cartoon. So he uh, went over to Hanna-Barbera to do a similar show. Um, and originally, it was going to be a musical group that solved mysteries. The, the Mystery Incorporated were actually going to be a singing group. That makes sense. I mean, you can kind of get those, some of those vibes, I would guess. Like, just in that, they're like, kind of like that beatnik of that like whole like, uh, like subculture, kind of, almost. Eventually, it evolved into dropping the, the musical aspect, and they just solved mysteries. A couple little fun facts. Uh, Scooby-Doo was named after him, which probably everyone knows this, but uh, the Frank Sinatra song, Strangers in the Night, is where they came up with the Scooby-Doo. I mean, and, I, I didn't know that, so. Yeah, where in the song, Strangers in the Night, where he's he, part of the song, he does the, well, forgive my singing, but he goes the Scooby-Dooby-Doo. <laughs> and that's where they... Uh, <laughs> They came up with that. And another fact, which I don't know if this is made up or not, but Fred Silverman insisted on the character being named Fred on the cartoon because originally he was not named Fred. Is it literally just because he's named Fred? Is that <laughs> That's what the implication is that he had to have a character named after him. All right. Well, I guess, I mean, if you're in charge, you get to do that. <laughs> so needless to say, 1969, they debuted 
Scooby-Doo, Where Are You, which was uh, on CBS originally, which was pretty much an instant success. And I mean, the proof's in the pudding here. It's 50 some odd years later and the, the cartoon's still pretty much almost as popular as ever. Yeah, it's still going like as uh, they turn out those like Scooby-Doo, like direct to DVD movies, like every single year now. And so it's like shoving along. <laughs> when I was a kid for the longest time, I, I had no idea what kind of dog Scooby-Doo was supposed to be. Oh, really? Yeah, I didn't realize he was supposed to be a Great Dane until like watching the show for like five years. I feel like I just knew. I don't know how, but I was just like, yeah, Great Dane, big dog. It makes perfect sense when you see a Great Dane in real life. I mean, yeah. <laughs> so after uh, three successful seasons of uh, Scooby-Doo, Where Are You? Uh, this was the first season they did with, uh, they changed it to the new Scooby-Doo movies. And this was uh, on CBS. Hanna-Barbera Productions, they produced and directed. Oh, and I also wanted to give credit. Scooby-Doo was actually, the concept was created by uh, Ken Spears and Joe Ruby. So, <laughs> the Scooby-Doo movies sort of became bizarre. They started, they still solved mysteries and whatnot, but at this point, they started, much like the podcast we're talking about, doing team-ups. Sometimes it was with other Hanna-Barbera cartoons, such as Josie and the Pussycats or Speed Buggy. Uh, but they also teamed up with uh, famous celebrities of the time who these celebrities actually lent their voice. Don Knotts, Sonny and Cher, Dick Van Dyke, or uh, some of the more... Uh, popular famous people that appeared on the show and can't forget the harlem globetrotters there yes the harlem globetrotters were on who then later on went to have their own cartoon where they had superpowers as well i all right well i did not know that one <laughs> yeah where one of them is so he has like a giant afro and he, he picks magical things out of his afro to use when they fight crime okay whatever works <laughs> And this is, they actually changed the theme song. They never did, they didn't do the straight up Scooby-Dooby-Doo, Where Are You Anymore? They changed it a little bit for Scooby-Doo movies. So like you had said earlier, this is particular episode uh, is the Dynamic Scooby-Doo Affair. Original air date, September 16th, 1972. Now at this point, Hanna-Barbera had gotten the rights back to the DC characters that Filmation had done in the late 60s before that. The episodes, everyone, it says, was produced and directed by Hanna-Barbera. Normally, I would tell you who wrote the episode, but every episode I could find on this is credited with 14 different writers. So it's just like one huge room of people just working on everything. Yeah, it sounds like basically the writer's room just got credit for the entire two seasons of the show. Having watched uh, some of these in the past and everything, I can tell it's probably not like the most in-depth writing process. So <laughs> You might be right about that. And uh, so they're teaming up with the dynamic duo of uh, Batman and Robin. Now, I found on this Scooby-Doo fan site, I don't know if this is correct, but they claim this is the very first time the phrase jinkies was ever said on Scooby-Doo. Really? I... I think I vaguely remember hearing that somewhere. I didn't remember it was this episode, but I knew it was like the new movies that where that came out. That's weird. It's not from the original series. Yeah, and they claim Shaggy says it on the episode, not Velma, who later adopts the catchphrase. And it was probably just one of those things like how like Jeepers, like especially like later on in like the 90s became Daphne's thing. Yeah. Everyone was saying it before then too. We're going to go into a little bit of the characters. Uh, they were all created by Joe Ruby and Ken Spears, except for Scooby-Doo, who was created by Joe Ruby, Ken Spears, and one 
I don't even know if I can say this name, Awayo Takamoto. <laughs> and apparently his was the idea to make Scooby-Doo a uh, Great Dane. He's voiced by a Don Messick, the late Don Messick, who uh, did numerous voiceovers uh, for Hanna-Barbera. In fact, he was the voice of Bam Bam on the Flintstones, Astro on the Jetsons. He was the voice of Muttley. He was also the voice of Papa Smurf and Azriel. Uh, and I believe you're also forgetting uh, Dr. Benton Quest of Johnny Quest, babe. Uh, you're, you're, yes, that is correct. That's <laughs> you know, just one of those things I just remembered, too. Now, I don't know about your age, because obviously I'm your uncle. I'm a lot older than you. But cartoons from my childhood, it seemed like like voice acting was like a job. Like if you had it, you were doing that all the time on virtually all the shows on Saturday morning. Yeah, I would still say it's like primarily the same. Like I know... I know you may mention it in a, like just a second there, but like Frank Welker, who does uh, Fred, if I remember. Correct. Fred Jones, Frank Welker. Is, I mean, still voices him to this day, but also is like literally been in like every possible cartoon. Or as like, and where I know him most from, of course, is like Transformers, because he's been Megatron for years and years and years too, since that cartoon came out. I believe he was Shockwave as well, if I'm not mistaken. We're going to, yeah, Frank Welker, the voice of Fred Jones, who he was 23 when he first voiced Fred Jones in 1969. Still, still does it today. <laughs> still does it today. Except for that terrible Scooby-Doo movie, Scoob, where for some reason they got Zac Efron to do the voice. Is that the new, new one? Yeah, that new one that just came out in theaters. Yeah, I vaguely remember. Did not get around to it. You didn't miss anything. Uh <laughs> Frank Welker also did the voice of Iceman on Spider-Man and His Amazing Friends. And uh, supposedly he's the third highest grossing voice actor in history. Yeah, like, like I said, like, I mean, as you're saying with like Iceman and stuff, just he's been literally been doing this since like you're just saying 23 and he's still going strong, still doing like everything. Now Shaggy and Robin were both voiced by Casey Kasem. Um, and anyone knows Casey Kasem as well as doing the voice of Shaggy and Robin. I believe he did the voice of uh, all of the Shaggy knockoff characters from Jabberjaw and Speed Buggy. Where everyone looks exactly like Shaggy. (laughs) And for you younger viewers won't know this, but he he hosted America's Top 40 on the radio for years and years and years. It's always funny, especially knowing him more from, because yeah, not knowing like American Top 40 and knowing him more as like, oh, the voice of Shaggy and everything from Scooby-Doo. Then like seeing like older movies and everything where he's just in them as like a cameo because he was on the radio. And it's just like very weird just hearing his, the voice he does for Shaggy here. And I think the last time he voiced Shaggy was uh, What's New Scooby-Doo. I think that was the last series where he was the voice of Shaggy. So he was also doing it for a while and everything too. Yeah, because that was a big deal because I think that was the first time an ongoing Scooby Show had reunited Frank Welker and Casey Kasem back to do Fred and Shag. And then I know after the live action movies came out and everything, it's now like Matthew Lillard that voices him in literally everything. Yep. Except for that terrible Scoob movie. They, <laughs> they didn't. That I don't understand what was. You know, that's uh, that's another episode. <laughs> Robin was created by Bill Finger, Bob Kane, and Jerry Robinson. Just so uh, you know, Daphne Blake. She was uh, voiced by the late Heather North who uh, all the way up till 2003 voiced Daphne Blake, her last appearance being Scooby-Doo and the Monster of Mexico. Yeah, just everyone who was involved with the show had these like the grip on these characters for like 30-plus years and everything. Velma Dinkley is voiced by Nicole Jaffney. 
She had been voicing it all along, took a little break when she had children, but then came back in the late 70s and then voiced Velma all the way who her also final appearance was in Scooby-Doo and the Monster of Mexico as well. Then we have, of course, the Dark Knight himself, Batman, voiced by Bob Kane, Bill Finger, voiced by, I should say, he was created by Bob Kane and Bill Finger, and an Olin Soul who had done his voice, who he had done Batman's voice on the filmation version of Batman, and he went on to do Batman for the Super Friends as well, as well as doing very uh, many uh, voice actors. I should say the late Olin Soul, he's no longer with us. Never knew it was the same guy from Super Friends, but that makes sense there, the uh, same kind of animation style and everything, and them just sticking with the same guy too. The Joker, created by Bob Kane, Bill Finger, and Jerry Robinson. Uh, Larry Storch does his voice. He had done him for the Filmation cartoons as well. Uh, he's most famous for, he played Corporal Agarn on F Troop. As well as doing the Joker, he also voiced Cool Cat and Merlin the Magic Mouse. <laughs> and what was the, were those shows? <laughs> Uh, they, when I found them, they said they were Warner, but they were Looney Tunes cartoons. But I, I don't think that's correct. But it was like one episode or something. Yeah, I have no idea. <laughs> I they came up on a previous episode, and me and my guests were just as baffled then as <laughs> who these people were as they were now. And finally, rounding out our cast, the Penguin, created by Bob Kane and Bill Finger. He is voiced actually by Ted Knight who was uh, most famous for playing uh, Ted Baxter on the Merrily Tyler Moore show and uh, Judge Smales on Caddyshack in the film Caddyshack. Uh, and to make a nerdy comic book joke, you could also say he's a Starman there because that's his, his uh, original alias was Ted Knight in the comic book. Oh, yeah, <laughs> you're right. I, I didn't even put that together. The extensive knowledge I bring to this show. <laughs> you weren't picked to be on this episode by accident. <laughs> All right. Having said that, we're going to jump into our mystery right now. We are going to watch the dynamic Scooby-Doo affair, and we're going to talk about it on our Halloween episode. Don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. Holy Scooby Snacks! Look, it's Ratman. Even the world's greatest detectives sometimes need a little help. To the mystery machine. The Pink Crusaders join forces with Scooby-Doo in Scooby-Doo Meets Batman. Look for it soon on video and DVD. Like, wow! Two of your favorite detective teams come face-to-face with two of the world's most cutting criminals. The Pink Crusaders could never catch them. <laughs> Loaded with bat action, bat excitement, and Scooby Snacks. Like you wouldn't happen to have a bat cookie on you, would you? This DVD is loaded with extras, like music videos, how to draw Scooby-Doo in the gang and get the picture, games, and more. That ought to sweep them off their feet. Scooby-Doo meets Batman. You can bring it home to your bat cave soon on video and DVD from Warner Brothers Family Entertainment. Someone's come for a nutritious breakfast. What? Hello, my name is Boo. <laughs> Let me finish. Booberry, my ghostly good blueberry-flavored cereal, Booberry, <laughs> is part of this complete breakfast. Frankenberry's got strawberry-flavored marshmallows. Cultrocular's got chocolate marshmallows. But I've got blueberry-flavored marshmallows. Frankenberry. Cultrocular. <laughs> and Booberry. <laughs> Hello? Hello, Daphne. Do you like Scooby movies? Of course. I was just about to watch the one with Sandy Duncan. Ooh, that's my favorite. 
I can see you like popcorn with your movies. What did you say? You like popcorn with your movies. That's not what you said. Where are you? Hello, Daphne. <laughs> Good gag, huh? Can I have some popcorn? Scooby Movies, all next week at 7 on Cartoon Network. Meanwhile, at the Podcast of Justice. Alright, and we're back. And if you just joined us, we just watched the dynamic Scooby-Doo affair with Batman and Robin team up with Mystery Incorporated. Two of the, the greatest detective teams in the world here. Once we watched it, I remembered I had seen it before, but it had been a while, so a lot of it was coming back to me. I remember watching like a bunch of these just on like Boomerang, like on the morning when I was a kid and everything. And like this one... And, like, the Harlem Globetrotter ones got, like, played a lot, I remember. So we open, obviously, with the uh, the, the credits with the, the new Scooby-Doo movies. And uh, you got to hear uh, a different... It's kind of the same theme song, but there's definitely some variation. It's, like, the same kind of vibe and everything. Yeah, the... the I don't want to say less intense, but it, it light a little. It feels a little more lighthearted, this version of the song. You don't have bats flying at the screen in the first... <laughs> So we open with the uh, the mystery machine in a swamp, of course, and uh, a loose rock causes a light to go out on there. Daphne says they're going to be late to the mystery club convention, which, by the way, spoiler alert, they never make it to this said convention. I know this isn't it, but do you think Batman and Robin were going that way too, and that's why they're in the area? <laughs> I suppose it's definitely <laughs> possible. <laughs> course, shocker, Shaggy and Scooby are scared. Of everything. <laughs> There's a airplane that uh, like flies right above them and lands. Two guys get out of it in a big Jeep with a box. And of course, that's when Fred says they got a mystery on their hand. A classic. They can't go anywhere. <laughs> they almost, it's not like one of these procedural cop shows. They never, they just happen to always be in the right place at the right time. Just always stumble upon it. And then everyone's a-okay with these like, four teenagers investigating these like ghosts and everything i'm glad you brought that up the scooby-doo page i referenced earlier and i noticed this watching it they said fred more than once calls everybody else in mystery incorporated kids like he's older than the rest of them or something (laughs) fred's like 24 and hanging out with everyone still so uh the plane takes off the they follow them to uh the shack where the crate's in there and it's strapped to the floor you hear a car drive up, which, of course, <laughs> scares uh, Scooby and Shaggy. And then Fred says to hide, and Scooby hides behind Shaggy. You get the great sequence of them just switching back and forth. Like, yeah. I gotta hide. <laughs> he goes behind Scooby. Yeah, they're hiding everything. They try and hide behind everything, but everything's nailed to the floor, so they end up hiding under the rug. And then we find out the car was the dynamic duo themselves, Batman and Robin. 
Did you notice Robin in a lot of the shots, I think it's just shoddy animation, looks like he's not even wearing pants. He looks like his shirt is like a long dress. Yes, his little shorts are very small in this episode. They say that they were on a routine patrol of Gotham City. They uh, caught the plane flying low without lights. So that made them suspect that they were transporting contraband. And this is also just one of those quick things I was thinking of. And I know you mentioned how Casey Kasem also voices Robin in this still and everything, where his voice is just the same. Like, he sounds still pretty much exactly the same. And it's also just very weird because he sounds just like Casey Kasem, like however old he was, like I'll say like 30s at this time. But it's Robin, like young 16-year-old kid Robin. (laughs) So it's a very odd dichotomy. Yes, he, he never sounded much like a kid. And he's like, ah, old chum and everything. So, like, these guys, Robin's just Batman's friend. He's not a ward or anything, I have to assume, at this point. So they, they hear a noise upstairs, which makes Batman tell everybody to hide for some reason, which I'm not really <laughs> sure. And a great little transaction where you see a woman on a cloak. She asks who's down there, and Shaggy says, nobody but us chickens. <laughs> That's very good. Finds out her name is Miss Baker, and uh, she... Uh, Ask if everyone's in trouble, and they, uh, she says she's never seen that crate before. So it's just like her first instinct isn't, Why are there like six people just breaking into my house in the middle of the night? But it's just like, Hey, what's going on? Are you guys okay? <laughs> yeah, none of them knocked, they're already in the house, and two of them are wearing masks. <laughs> well, if this is near Gotham, Batman, well known local celebrity. So, Batman, they open the box, and there's an inflatable punch clown in it which everyone laughs at. And Batman says, ah, what an amusing toy. (laughs) Scooby uh, sniffs it, and he growls at it, which gets uh, huge laughter from everybody, including Batman. Everyone's just like Scooby acting dumb. Oh, laughter all the time. What a great bit. (laughs) Scooby knocks it over, and he reveals there's money inside the head. The clown has got a bunch of money. Was it Shaggy says, like, uh, forget the head, check out the bread, <laughs> and then it cuts <laughs> to the money and everything? Yes, it did. <laughs> that, that, that was sad. Batman, he's expecting the money, and uh, this <laughs> is the best thing. There's a couple of favorite lines on this episode, but this is definitely one of them where he's like, I suspect it. It's counterfeit. Everything's perfect except for one detail. <laughs> Lincoln never wore a turtleneck sweater. <laughs> I have to like wonder, like, what were the people making the counterfeit money thinking? Because it's just like, we'll make it perfect. We accept maybe one small detail will like change just so we know it's fake. What little detail can we change so no one else notices? Perfect. A full turtleneck sweater. <laughs> really, really strange. I don't know what the heck is going on there. I mean, in terms of just like the general stuff, I assume it's just because this is like aimed at kids. They have to be like, if we just say it's counterfeit, they won't know what that is. We have to show it's really, really fake money. They're asking. They're not sure why uh, it was delivered here. And someone says they must have thought it was deserted. Thelma says that uh, one pilot must have left in the car and the other one in the plane. They look at the tracks and Miss Baker says it looks like they're going to the auto junkyard, which of course... Is right next to the haunted cemetery. Of course, obviously. Where else would you put your junkyard? The dynamic duo is going to go follow them. They find the jeep in the uh, the auto graveyard. They uh, they follow the footprints. It leads to a concrete 
compressing pit. Robin is going to go climb up the, the crane so he can use his bat light to light up the whole area. Because <laughs> it's like the 70s Batman. I have to have bat everything. <laughs> and uh, you see a masked figure is also lurking about and nobody knows where he is. He tries to point out to Shaggy and Shaggy says no more farce alarms. All there is is just some uh, sneaky looking guy with dark hood and gleaming green eyes. Uh, that's another good bit. <laughs> it's just like, yeah, everything's normal here. So Shaggy and Scooby hide in a car. And of course, the crane picks up the car. <laughs> and uh, Batman's going to save him with his bat line. So he shoots it up to the car. And while there, Fred notices the masked person in the... So he runs to the crane to attack him. Mm. But then, uh, in a bizarre turn of events... <laughs> Never fully explained. <laughs> Robin goes in there and attacks the masked man. But it's actually Fred who's underneath the hood. <laughs> So somehow Fred got into the fight with this person who then put the hood on top of him, escaped, couldn't get the hood off himself. <laughs> no one else saw like where the other person went after they put the hood on Fred? So they're going to they go back to the house, but now the house is gone. It's disappeared. Batman says it could be a, a case of group hypnosis. This is also just one of those things I like noticed too watching where it's just like Batman is instantaneously like, ah, it's group hypnosis or like a dream or something <laughs> where it's just like he is perfectly willing to accept like, ah, there's like magic or something involved here. I don't know why the world's greatest detective is automatically jumping to the conclusion of group hypnosis. Well, it's clearly the thing that fits the best. Uh, like I, we looked once and then just immediately had this conclusion. The only thing that snaps Batman out of the story is Robin points out that the Batmobile is also missing. So that snaps him out that maybe it's not group hypnosis. So uh, the Batmobile, they have a tracking device in the Batmobile. Uh, so they're going to have to get to the Batcave to uh, find it. And uh, Fred offers them a ride in the mystery machine. But because their identity is a secret, Batman and Robin have to drive the mystery machine while everybody else is blindfolded. And I also think the most other important question here that, of course, Shaggy asks is like, is there going to be snacks at the Batcave and everything? Like, he's worked up an appetite. Which uh, Batman says there's uh, going to be bat milk and cookies there. <laughs> bat milk? <laughs> now, I'm assuming that's a brand name and not actual milk from a bat. Or do you think Batman has his own branding for like a milk line? <laughs> like he has his own dairy products in stores. Well, Bruce Wayne has to be rich somehow, so maybe it's his line of dairy products. <laughs> so um, they actually go there, and it's very similar to the '60s TV show where they go down the dirt road and the road uh, down sign. You know, they drive over it, gets them there. They get to the Batcave, and <laughs> Shaggy is eating. And Scooby, they're eating cookies that are shaped like the bat symbol. And like, I also just think it's funny to think where, like, because we don't see, like, Alfred in this, like, episode or anything or get reference, like, Batman probably just made these cookies himself or just had them lying around already made. Again, keeping with his branding. <laughs> so on the Bat computer, they see that uh, the Batmobile has been moved to the Gotham Amusement Park, specifically to the Batman and Robin exhibit. They deduced that they thought it would not be noticed if it was parked there. And uh, as they leave, Scooby eats. Not only does he eat Shaggy's cookie, but he drinks his milk as well. <laughs> now, they get to the Batman and Robin exhibit. They're going to split up for clues. But Scooby and Shaggy say that they're going to stay in the Batmobile. 
it's just at this exhibit. It's literally just outside. Like they didn't move it anywhere, like out of sight or even vaguely kind of hidden at all. I know that's like hiding in plain sight, but it's just chilling out front. Yeah, it's literally parked in front of the exhibit. When they're they're in the Batmobile and Scooby has a brief fantasy of him wearing a bat suit. And then they look up in the window and there's the Joker and Penguin just hanging out. Yeah, at, at this point, like I have to imagine Joker and Penguin were just like waiting for them to show up so they could be like, ah, it's actually us here. We want to brag about it. Because like, why are they just like leaning like halfway out these windows? And Joker is laughing. And I got to say, I know it's the Joker, but goddamn, I don't think I've ever seen Joker laugh more than he does in this cartoon. And every other like line he has is some sort of terrible pun or like play on words and everything too. Or again, I know it's the Joker, but... It's like too much, too much, guys. So uh, they see that they're hiding out in the haunted house, and Batman says that uh, this is up to the professionals, so they're just going to go in. The professionals are Batman and, again, like a, a 14-year-old boy. <laughs> <laughs> yep. And uh, you go to Joker and uh, Penguin are in a like, control room, and he refers to them as uh, Bat Brain and the Boy Blunder. Bat Brain doesn't even sound like an insult, really. <laughs> Which, of course, he laughs his ass off at these lines. He says he's going to use some of the haunted house effects. And uh, he hits his button and all these ghosts and uh, chain sounds go off. And Robin questions it. Which leads to (laughs) the other contender for my favorite line of the episode. (laughs) Where Robin asks what that is. And Batman says, merely sound effects recorded on tape. By professional and talented thespians. Yeah, that's also got me. Or just like, why is this so weirdly specific, Batman? Why? It's so specific of not only how it's recorded and who recorded it and adjectives to describe that. It's probably like, I guarantee you, like Bruce Wayne just got like a word of the day calendar. And it's just like, ah, I got to fit thespian somehow in my, my conversation today. So when that doesn't work, Joker hits the uh, the button for the the ghost, the sheeted ghost, which comes out. That doesn't scare him either. I also just feel like Joker. What is your what's your plan here? Like this is Batman. I know he's like they fought a lot and everything. He's your enemy. I know this is the goofier times for Batman and everything still, but Batman knows this is a haunted house. Like he doesn't think there's ghosts here. How, he is the Dark Knight who strikes fear in everybody. Like I don't know why he thinks these cheap amusement park haunted houses is going to scare Batman. I'll make some noises that sound like chains rattling. That'll spook him. But then it was a plan because he's going to lead him to your doom in the room of doom, which makes Joker laugh, of course. He fools them into thinking he's in the room. So when they break through the door, the door actually has them fall right into a pit. Now... They're falling for uh, <laughs> a couple of seconds, which applies this pit's pretty deep. Right, it seems and, to go down like a story or something, at least. And they land on a bunch of soft, bouncing, inflatable clowns. Now, wouldn't their plan work a lot better if they just killed them? <laughs> yeah, but it's not theatrical. <laughs> not for, this is the Joker. And, so Penguin, he's going to keep an eye on the, the mystery gang. So they go into the haunted house, of course. Uh, but Scooby says that uh, he's allergic to ghosts. They make him break out in goosebumps. And uh, they do the classic do it for a Scooby snack. But Scooby negotiates all the way up to three Scooby snacks. 
This is always a thing I've wondered, too, with Scooby Snacks. So both Shaggy and Scooby eat them. Yep. Is Scooby eating, like, a human food, or is Shaggy eating a dog food? Now, the heavily implication to me has always been that Shaggy is eating dog food. <laughs> and, you know, the whole theory that they were pot smokers and whatnot, so you can assume if they were pot smokers, he would probably get the munchies and eat that, but... But it, he does make a comment that he never gets shaggy snacks. That's just pot. That's that's pot. <laughs> <laughs> that would imply to me that uh, Scooby Snacks are in fact dog food. If he does reference shaggy snacks, it's good to know it's just Shaggy being like an absolute weirdo. Then basically, <laughs> but all of his friends just accept it. And um, the bad guys they kind of use uh, moving walls and trapdoors to break up the mystery gang. <laughs> This is a Joker laughing his ass off, of course. He he sends in a bunch of buttons. It's all are labeled this. Babbling pools, ghastly ghouls, wailing witches, floating objects, uh, <laughs> hidden rooms, moving floors, and like every button literally says this when he pusses it. He's having a grand old time with this, just pushing everything, at least in everything this haunted house has. And then after all those buttons that are labeled, what comes out of the wall but a giant fish monster? Like, I don't remember him pressing a button or announcing giant fish monster. Well, they couldn't come up with a rhyme for it, obviously. That's why. <laughs> and both the girls hold the fish monster's hand and say how cold and clammy it is. When they discover it, they both scream and run, which Joker is loving, loving it. <laughs> Even Fred actually runs from the fish monster. Shaggy and Scooby, they find the exit. They're all excited. But they can't get to it because uh, Shaggy thinks the room's getting larger, but they're actually on a conveyor belt that they don't notice. And just keep walking and walking. Yeah. Uh. They finally <laughs> figure out that they're on a conveyor belt. <laughs> and that it starts moving backwards, in fact, at one point. Also, it speeds up and they're like practically running at it, too. Yeah. Still not putting it together quite yet. Finally, Shaggy jumps and holds the door open, and then when Scooby jumps into it, uh, they fall into another pit. Is this where Joker delivers his great line of, our pit's full? How pitiful. <laughs> it's just like, oh boy. <laughs> yes. Not even really a pun there, just kind of <laughs> words that sound alike. Yeah. He... <laughs> he's, yeah. Not, he's not running at 100% here. <laughs> They, uh, they find that there's a couple of exits, and they leave. Fred and Daphne say they hear voices, and uh, they discover that they're all in the same passage. Fred, Scooby, Daphne. Scooby comes out wearing a sheet on, which uh, terrifies everyone. Even Scooby gets scared by it. Well, there's a ghost there, obviously. That's the most terrifying thing they've seen. Joker and Penguin put on these horrible skeleton suits. And I was also thinking, like, during this, where it's just, like, they know Joker and Penguin are there. They, again, bent, like, halfway out the window earlier to make their presence known. Like, these are two super villains who regularly fight Batman, and you guys just want to dress up as skeletons? It's magically, Penguin, once he puts on the skeleton suit, seems like he's just as tall as Joker. Yes, they're both, like, about the same height and, like, weight at that point. <laughs> when they see him, the gang gets scared, but, uh... Batman doesn't get scared because he can say that they're not mechanical the way they're walking. But of course, Scooby and Shaggy run anyway. Even Fred is scared of them, which is bizarre. Uh, 
because Batman knows that they uh they aren't really ghosts. Um, well, you got to get from point A to point B. We got to get this story moving along here. Scooby ends up chasing them because uh they're bones, and he says bones are delicious. You think Scooby would just never be afraid of like any skeletons? But I, I would be willing to bet they probably meet other skeleton monsters at some point. You would think that. <laughs> Uh, I misspoke earlier. They weren't with Batman yet. Batman's still in that pit, so I apologize about that. Of course, the pit is full. Let's never forget. Yeah, it was pitiful. <laughs> so they chased uh, Joker and Penguin right into that same uh, pit that they're in. And like they purposely are running, and then they're like, "Ah, good, a door. We can like go in here." And I'm like, "You guys should know what room the giant pit is." Like, so stuff like this doesn't happen. They're going to take off the, the mask and Batman, uh, he says, uh, oh, what we'll find here is a couple of bone heads. And then we get the the other great bit that I remember from this too, where it's just, ah, Joker's trying to climb up those walls and everything. And Batman just goes, ah, the clown prince of crime is now the clown prince of climb. <laughs> that is like, I guess it's supposed to be a pun, but it's pretty terrible. Again, no one's working at 100% for this. Everyone's kind of just given the bare minimum with the jokes. The, when Joker can't climb and falls and they all laugh about it too. They confess for some reason, I don't know why, that they didn't make the money, that they uh, they just got an anonymous donator who contacted them. <laughs> it's just, yeah, it's just, and Joker is very specific of saying, like, they called us, just like, you guys just have a phone number, like, regularly listed somewhere? Yeah, I, I don't know how they got the message. <laughs> oh, my God. And then they ask what they've done to poor Mrs. Baker. And <laughs> Joker has this terrible joke about how she's Scooby's mother. And then he's like, bow wow. Basically makes like a 70s your mom joke. <laughs> yeah. I guess the Baker Barker, I guess that's what you're supposed to get. <laughs> Is it? <laughs> I always like bow wow wow. <laughs> Again, barely a joke there. And they open the door, and right there, there's two Gotham detectives, which uh, Batman feels the need to announce to us that he called when they were in the pit. They take him away. Where there's this great bit where it, it looks like they're walking arm in arm, and, and Robin says. Uh, take them away the other way around. And the detectives are like, Oh wait. And they switch. They were like a okay with like being let out by the super villains and everything. They're just like, yeah, sure. This is right. Thank God. Robin <laughs> corrected. that. So, uh, Batman, the world's greatest detective says that, uh, he's got no clues at this point <laughs> of who's behind this. Fred has to point out that he thinks that the fact that the furniture was nailed down in her house, Maybe uh, a clue. And I believe it was Shaggy who said it's maybe in case of an earthquake. Maybe this is why Batman like keeps teenagers around to like point things out to him. Where it's just like, it doesn't seem to remember anything that happened. So they go to the Batmobile and then Fred says, to the mystery machine. They go back and uh, the house is back. It's there when they get back. and They're really baffled by it. Uh, so they're going to cover all the exits. But Scooby and Shag, they say they're not going back in the house that vanishes. Which Batman promptly says, good idea. You can stay here and, <laughs> and guard the vehicles. He's like, hey, okay, we're going to drop this dead weight and just go right in. And then an owl scares them, and then a rabbit scares them. 
I don't know why they want to be left alone so many times when they're scared of their own shadow. Let's well, they never think things through. That's all it is. And uh, he climbs onto a tree branch, which actually moves and causes the house to rotate and go underground. Goes upside down underground, in fact. This is baffling to me. Like, I, again, I know this is like goofy 70s, Scooby-Doo and everything. But it's just like the entire house flips upside down. Like, this is so much effort these counterfeiters are putting into this. I guess they assume they'd get caught at some point. <laughs> they go to uh, Fred, Thelma, and Daphne, and uh, Fred says, it's always, I always get a weird feeling when I uh, stand on the ceiling. And Thelma says, now you know how a housefly feels. Ah, again, everyone's just phoning it in. <laughs> Everyone, everything's a one-liner. So Batman and Robin are in the cave under the house, and uh, they pull the lever that they find there that turns the house again. So now Batman and Robin are trapped underneath. Shaggy and Scoob, they uh, they go in the house and uh, Robin pulls the lever again and everybody's reunited underneath the house in the big cave. They're looking around. There's all these boxes and whatnot and a really strange uh, thing happens where uh, there's a giant wind-up doll where the mystery figure winds up the dog. That causes it to just keep on barking. And from like this point like on, I like don't understand what one like what the mystery villains like what are they like why did they do that? Uh, <laughs> then like yeah, like Daphne, like everyone thinks it's Scooby. So Daphne then like ties Scooby's mouth shut. Yeah. <laughs> She's like, I don't understand why anyone is doing anything there right now. Why are these choices happening? Yeah, they tell him to stop and he won't, so they literally tie his mouth shut so he can't bark. They still hear the noise, which because his mouth is shut, Batman deduces it must be a toy dog and the crooks are still here. Obviously. It's the only other explanation. <laughs> this is where the greatest detective is actually coming into play. And uh, he actually apologizes to Scooby. And then, in a really baffling part, the mystery figure throws a giant smiley face at them. It's literally a ball with a smiley face <laughs> Again, like, this mysterious person could just, like, go back and flip the house up and then they would be trapped. But it seems, like, content on, like, I'm just going to kind of mess with them a little. This causes Fred and Daphne to land on a trampoline. Thelma loses her glasses. Scooby accidentally ends up on a, like, a, a wind-up car that's big enough for him to ride on it. They, uh, what happens is, uh, they, Robbins, uh, grabs them. <laughs> Batman... Okay, Robin saves them from the trampoline. They're all in a giant box, which turns out to be a giant jack-in-the-box that sends Robin, Fred, and Daffy flying into the air, which conveniently has a trapeze artist up there, which Batman gets to save them. Again, just Batman using all the skills in his repertoire, where it's just like perfect like acrobat, too. I'm going to do this killer trapeze maneuver. Scooby crashes into a box that accidentally makes a giant elephant mask land on Shaggy's head, which he can't get off. <laughs> he is pulling that thing from all angles, and it is not popping off at all, too. Then uh, they catch up with the mystery man, and uh, <laughs> Fred says, oh, he's on a unicycle. We'll never catch him. <laughs> <laughs> Just like, it's too fast. How are you going to keep up with that? <laughs> I've never known unicycles. I've actually ridden on a unicycle. They're hard to even balance, 
let alone getting so much speed that these people can't catch up with. <laughs> I feel like the amount of time I've seen unicycles like be used like effectively in like real life is like I can count on one hand. Like I don't feel like they're like the best thing for a getaway like mobile. Fred is uh and Daphne they they and Thelma get on bicycles and they're chasing him on the unicycle. And the next shot is of Batman and Robin. I don't know if you know this. Batman in this shot wasn't wearing gloves, and there's no bat signal on his chest. Is this also? There's one scene I remember. I think it was this too, where he has like a big ring on his hand. <laughs> that would make sense because he wasn't wearing gloves in this scene, and I think he had a big ring. This is baffling to me. I was just like, why is? I assume it's probably just because they were like reusing an animation like sell from something else but it's just very odd where like batman suddenly has this huge ring and it's like right in the camera yeah i know back then they really rushed in some of the animation and it showed in a lot of shots but this was yeah this one was weird that he suddenly had a ring on his ungloved hand (laughs) they're chasing him uh, all through the place on their bicycles uh they go under a volleyball net which they can't duck so it knocks them off their bikes Shaggy's uh, riding a horse that has like springs in the legs and he even uses a, a lasso to grab a pipe so he can swing on it. Finally, uh, Scooby lands on like a seesaw, which the unicycle mystery man is on the other one and it shoots him up in the air where he lands through a giant basketball net. <laughs> they finally catch the mystery man. And uh, by the way, they early implied that the counterfeiter, they, <laughs> Mrs. Baker is the only other character who's appeared on this episode. Yeah, it's not, not really a mystery of who the, <laughs> our mass villain is. But they are convinced, all of them, that she has nothing to do with it. In fact, they even apply it had to be a man in one part of the episode. <laughs> but they take the mask off and it is indeed Mrs. Baker who had done the counterfeit operation. And again, world's greatest detective and this like group of teenage like mystery solvers. None of them are like like aware of this. All of them are shocked by this sudden revelation. <laughs> and she and a little bit of a twist as she would have gotten away from it if it wasn't for that dumb dog. So it's not meddling kids on this episode. And then Batman back says that Scooby is the real hero here. And he in fact pours like a whole thing of I don't even know if it was Scooby Snacks. I think it was more of his Batman snacks or his Bat cook, his Bat cookies. <laughs> his Bat snacks, that's what it was. You can tell they're different. These are gray. <laughs> it looked like a bag of rocks to me. I don't know about you. I was just like, is this bat food now? Why does Batman just have a bag of that? And as he eats the Bat snacks, huge wave of laughter comes over the dynamic duo and the Mystery Incorporated. That's how we end our episode with everybody laughing. By the way, Mrs. Baker has disappeared from the shot at that point, so I don't know if she's escaped or they were just too lazy to animate her. Definitely escaped. That's the only explanation. So let's go over this plan for a second. This old lady had a counterfeiting operation. With two other people who they never catch. Nope. In cohoots with two of Gotham's most well-known supervillains, to the point where she can build a giant house that rotates underground, which she has a collection of, uh, I don't know, virtual like circus props <laughs> in this giant underground warehouse. For what reason? I have no idea. Clearly, it's like the clowns. It's just, all of this stuff is for hiding money in. And there you have it. The Scooby-Doo movies 
and the dynamic Scooby-Doo affair. It's quite a mouthful for a title. On <laughs> our Halloween episode, Batman and Robin teaming up with the Mystery Gang. I was a little, uh, I wouldn't say disappointed, but uh, it was a mystery, but it wasn't like a mystery monster or ghost on this episode. I wouldn't even say it's really a mystery because it's like as soon as Joker and Penguin are there, it's like, well, we've only ever seen one other character here. So if it's not them, I I don't (laughs) There's a lot of things that don't make a lot of sense of why Joker and Penguin pretty much lured Batman and Robin right to them where (laughs) did they not want to succeed at this counterfeiting operation? We're just going to lure him right to our base that's like across the street from where we ditched the Batmobile. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't know why they even did that. All this happened because they had a lost a headlight on the way to the mystery convention. Yeah, imagine if they hadn't. Like, they would have been getting away for this for years. Well, it's true because uh, Batman never deduced that <laughs> there were any clues of the house with everything nailed to the ground. Batman would have just been like, yep, uh, must have been group hypnosis, Robin. Anyway, let's get out of here. And why Why are they stuffing them in these inflatable clowns? What was the point of that? Just nothing. Like I said, they have all the other stuff, too. Or they just got to go through all this to just hide the money. So, like, we run out of clowns eventually. Because also, Joker and Penguin weren't giving those back. They had those in the pit and everything. (laughs) They had obviously their own plane and their own henchmen. And why did they just put the money in a box? Why does that to be put in a clown in a box? Well, if you open the box and just find a bunch of money, everyone will know what they're doing. But if you find a clown, as long as you don't hit that clown too hard. And why does the house have to disappear? That's the main thing I don't understand. That seems really extra. Just like we're going to make the entire house flip upside down as part of our counterfeit, right? Well, how are they getting a profit off this? Were they like exchanging their counterfeit money for real money? Like, what is the advantage to anybody in this uh, in this episode? That's one of the bits that I'm just like with uh, Penguin and Joker, where they should just like, like I don't know why they're in on it because, as they said, like we got a phone call and we're just told to give them real money and they'll give us fake money. So we just gave them real money. It's just like, why didn't the old lady just take their money and run? Why is she still doing this scheme? I. <laughs> no idea. And why she sent them to the auto graveyard and then followed them instead of just turning the house upside down and being the end of it, I don't know either. Like, I want to try to kill them, but I also want to make them think they're crazy. So I better do both things here. <laughs> and I hear Batman is a sucker for group hypnosis. <laughs> <laughs> and he's a big fan of thespians, apparently. <laughs> All right, on that note, we're going over to the Spectrometer. The Spectrometer, for anybody new to the show, is where we rank what we just saw. Zero Spectros being absolute crap. Four Spectros being perfection. Jamie, how are you going to rank the dynamic Scooby-Doo affair? I'll probably give it like like a 2.5. It's like a Scooby-Doo episode. You know what you're getting when you're going into it and everything. But it's like fun. It's not like amazing. Like and it's not a great episode of television, but it's like entertaining and and like goofy fun. I'd probably give it a 2.5 as well. I'd go higher if the animation and whatnot wasn't so shoddy. 
Um, they they lose some points for some really rushed, shoddy animation. Batman with his big ring. <laughs> they really wanted to show up. And make the appearance like Robin is never wearing pants is also a little bizarre. And the only other point I would take off for it, if you're looking for Batman and Robin, they're almost secondary. It is a Scooby-Doo episode. Batman and Robin don't play, other than providing the villains, they're more secondary characters in the show. But I did enjoy it. If you like Scooby-Doo and like cartoons in that era and you like a lot of goofiness, it's definitely a fun cartoon. I'm going to go 2.5 as well. Or if you like thinking about Abraham Lincoln in a turtleneck. <laughs> so bizarre. Of <laughs> and also every episode we ask if a child in 2021 came around, the Scooby-Doo movies, the dynamic Scooby-Doo affair, what do you think? Would they enjoy it? Yeah, I think they would. Like, yeah, and I don't think it's like amazing or anything, but it's definitely like got enough goofiness. Or if just someone likes Batman and they see him on the screen, like that's always going to be good for him. Yeah, I think as well a kid would enjoy it, especially because, I mean, you're talking like three generations at this point that all know who Scooby-Doo is. It's not like it's a, this is some old cartoon that's out of date. Everybody still knows who Scooby-Doo is. He's still vastly popular. But what did you think out there? Did you enjoy the dynamic Scooby-Doo affair? Did you like it more than we did? Did you like it less? If you did, great. We're not taking that away from you. <laughs> like I said, we're just here to have a good time and talk cartoons. If you uh, want, though, you can always uh, go to any of my social media. Tell me your comments. If you go to my Twitter, you can find me at Matt Spectro. Facebook, as uh, my Facebook page is Matt Spectro through the multiverse. Give me a comment. Tell us what you thought of the Scooby-Doo movies. The dynamic Scooby-Doo affair. You could uh, smash the subscribe button on my podcast. I'd really appreciate it. Give me a five-star review. Pass it around. Give me a like. Give me any comments of what uh, you'd like to hear. Comments for future episode. Always want to hear from people. Jamie, I always give uh, people uh, the ability to plug. Anything you want to plug while you're here on the show? Uh, no. I got nothing going on. <laughs> No, and not not everybody does, but uh, sometimes people want to recommend things and whatnot. Uh, actually, I can do one where I uh, I just started rewatching Batman: Brave and the Bold, and I know there is a Scooby Doo crossover that, but it's a great show, which I can also recommend if you like goofy Batman things. It's funny you say that. Me and my stepson are doing a we're doing the the Brave and the Bold series. I think we're on season two right now. The one we just watched where he teamed up with Jonah Hex. Oh, nice! Yeah. And uh, we, yeah, we did a previously did a Brave and the Bold episode on the show. We did the uh, one where he teamed up with Green Lantern. Okay. Right. I think I remember that one. There's a lot of episodes there, so it's always hard to remember who he's teamed up with and hasn't. And any big plans for Halloween? Uh, no, again, not really. <laughs> I rewatch Halloween every year, so that's all I'm really planning on. <laughs> you got a lot, a lot of big things going on. <laughs> <laughs> I live an exciting life. What can I say? I want to say thank you for being on the show. I appreciate it, and I appreciate everybody out there listening. Hopefully, you'll come back, join us again. Yeah, had a lot of fun. All right, beautiful. And this is sadly the end of our month of Halloween episodes. It's been a good time. We're going to be back next week with a regular episode. Until then, trick or treat, everybody. Enjoy your Halloween, and we'll see you next time on another episode of Matt Spectro Through the Multiverse. Excelsior! <laughs>